0: We do want to welcome you to this week's episode of Live Transform. Hey, you funny people. (laughs) This is episode number 160. Jim and Audrey.
1: Who are you calling funny? Are you calling our listeners funny? I start (laughs) talking.
0: I start talking and you just start mocking well, I mean, me. <laughs>
1: listen,
2: like, I apologize no, to it, all of our listeners. Yeah, cause because they're not
1: being the funny people. We uh, no, promise. no, not what, at what, all.
2: Listen, let me let me yeah, let me help him out. Let here. me help him out this by him. What he really meant to say was pleasant. And enjoyable people. Yes. That's what it yeah, really yeah, means. Yeah,
1: hello, yeah, yeah. Hello, enjoyable no. people. I'm talking about
2: people who people who could take a joke. Yes, no, 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 no. Right. I'm
0: talking about you two are the funny people.
1: I know, I know. You're yeah, talking about. Hey, wait right. a minute. <laughs>
0: yes.
2: Wait a minute. <laughs> what?
1: Hmm. Okay. I am so excited. I'm,
2: I'm offended. I'm offended.
1: <laughs> well, you're okay. This is our favorite emotions. I'm excited and you're offended. Those are our favorite emotions.
2: <laughs> oh no! Hey, look. On the news last night, yeah. I, I forgot oh, what city it was in uh one of these i don't know what you would call this guy but so so he has gone on a rant online because when he jogs uh-huh. and people have their <laughs> windows open when they're cooking okay and he's a vegan and he thinks it's wrong to eat meat it is terribly offensive to him that he can smell people's barbecue grills and and what they're cooking and he has gone on a rant rage <laughs> telling all of his neighbors they they do not need to cook with their windows open they do not oh, need to barbecue around gosh. a certain time because that's when he jogs and it's offensive to him <laughs> <laughs>
1: So that's your. When I said offended, that's what you thought of. Like really, that's how. That's that's what this world has come to. Right there. You
2: know what? You know what's really interesting. You know, one of the concepts of love is that love is not touchy, and mm. e, being easily offended. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Means it's all about me. That's right. So touchy. And that the touchy. whole world, the whole world around them, yeah. mm-hmm. should. Should cave in to my wishes, so that I can find a way to be happy. Right, right. And you know, you stop. You stop and think. What, what kind of, what is that? Gives a testimony of what that person or what those groups of people that are easily offended, what their inner life is about. Because, because if you if you are whole, if you're connected to God, if you have good self worth, Mm -hmm. you are not easily offended.
1: Exactly. Bob and I love using, and we use it over and over again in our other um, podcast, All About Relationships. We always talk about being satisfied. It always comes back to oh, that because yeah. we really feel that being satisfied is the direct opposite to being selfish. Because, oh, yeah. because when you're satisfied, there is no mm-hmm. potential of being selfish because you're just not making it about you. And and, and I think that's really great. That people can know that they're satisfied yeah. with Jesus.
2: Mm-hmm. As their Absolutely. But stop and think. God is trying to pour his love into the hearts of the whole world.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you saw that if God himself can't satisfy you, then you will become a tyrant in your world mm-hmm. to your family your wife, your spouse, your kids, your neighborhood, your state, your politics, and you will want to rule over everybody else to try to find satisfaction. Yeah. And and there's not enough sacrifices that anybody could ever do to to appease or satisfy a person that's easily Oh my offended. gosh,
1: we just recorded a podcast yesterday oh. and we used those words, sacrifice. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You're uh, literally, you might as well have been in the podcast with us. I can't believe how we are on the yeah. same page with this one, Jim. Because even, well, like, I don't want, It's we talked about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. We talked about obligation. You you have really helped us in the area of relationships when it comes to obligation not being love. That it is never uh, love when there's obligation involved.
2: Never. Wow, we're, uh, okay, go ahead. We're on it. Well, yeah, and, you know, and I know this isn't exactly where we're going today, but, man, this is just so valuable because, you know, um, ultimately a believer should, if a believer is seeking to be a disciple and actually follow Jesus, then the real truth is we should live our lives in such a way that we always recognizing we're choosing whether we're going to be offended or not. Mm-hmm. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're choosing whether or not uh, we're going to be happy. I mean, it, it, is just, it is just always a choice. And until we come to that place where inwardly, when things around us happen that have the potential to offend, and, and, and until we come to that place where inwardly we say, you know what? Do I want to be offended at this? You know, is this who I want to be? Or do I want to be mm-hmm. happy, mm-hmm. even though this is going, going on, mm-hmm. and I have no control over? It. Until you reach that place, you are—you are not surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. Mm. Yeah, you're letting other because lordship—who controls your life?
1: Lordship so you're is other, about who controls your <clears throat> life.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, it, and and you know, he doesn't. God doesn't forcibly control no. your life. He just says here. Is how you can have it's an invitation. the best life It's a great, life big possible.
1: invitation.
2: Yeah. yeah, but you got to choose it because I'm not going to make mm-hmm. this happen to you. Mm-hmm. And I know that's powerful. But I, I tell you, I, and you guys know this, and we've we actually had this conversation years ago. You know, for years, people would think, okay, Jim's taught, you know, he kind of pioneered this grace message. So he's a grace preacher. And then they'd be like, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He spent years teaching about identity. So he's, no, he's an identity teacher. And, and, and I remember the first time the three of us had this conversation where you said, you know what? We find, we get it with you now. This is about Jesus. This <laughs> is about always going, this is, all of this stuff points back to the death, yes. burial, and resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> so true and and uh, until it points back to there <laughs> then lordship is not even a factor I know.
0: we we have you know individuals you know coming to us and and again just to, as as with you they're always trying to figure you out and you know yeah. and, and pigeon you some way you know this and that and Audrey was with with uh, <clears throat> a couple recently and you know just asking these questions you know you know with regards <laughs> yep. to uh you know Inner healing with regards to, you know, uh, people, you know, bringing new age stuff in and the grace and all all this kind of stuff. And I said, Audrey, I said, don't get caught up in those conversations, you know, of trying to, you know, bring reasoning, understanding. You know, I said, we have to always bring it back to Jesus Mm -hmm. because all people are wanting to do is create themselves as being the center of their own universe. Yep. and if Jesus isn't Lord, then I'm telling you, it just isn't going to work.
1: I love it.
2: You know, I, uh, I, I w- we were talking about this earlier. Uh, I'm, I'm finishing my Leadership That Builds People trilogy within just a couple of weeks, and this is a project that started. I think the first volume I wrote was in the '90s, and so, um, and, and I refused the the this. Volume two that I'm coming out with, I refused to write it. I just felt like I needed, you know, about 20 more years experience mm. w- with this heart journey. And, and you know, I mean, this has been a journey I've been making yep. for for 50 years yep. almost. But still at the time, I just thought, you know what? I still have not zeroed in on uh, the real factors about how to facilitate people influence in their heart because the truth is nobody can influence your heart.
0: Hmm.
2: I mean, nobody, but you, Mm -hmm. God, God can't even make something happen in your heart apart from your choices and apart from your cooperation and yielding and, and, you know, and pursuing what it, what he offers. But anyhow, the second, the second book, the first one is leadership that builds people developing the heart of a leader, which every parent, every school teacher, every minister should read that book. Because if you don't develop the heart of the leader, you, you can only multiply to people what you have.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: You can't give what you do not have. Mm-hmm. And the reason we got so many carnal Christians is because we've got so many carnal leaders. And good, you know, good people, but carnal, natural thinkers. And and so they do try to they, they do try to incorporate all of this stuff in yep. and call it Christian. Right. There's nothing a lot of the stuff that we incorporate in, it's not that it's wrong. But it's wrong if it's not rooted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, the, the, in, this, in the second volume of this is, is, is ministry that touches the heart. How, how, do I, how do I relate to my kids, my wife, my friends, how, the people that I minister How do I do this in a way that facilitates them making the decisions that will influence their heart? Because like I said, I can't touch their heart. God can't touch their heart. The devil can't touch their heart. Nobody can touch their heart except them. Mm. So, um, but you know, it, it's so interesting. I always come back to a few simple things. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how in depth I get on anything. I come back to a few simple things. Number one, all, everything about salvation always is rooted in uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus yes. because. It starts with, do I believe Jesus was raised from the dead? And what does that mean? Not just physically raised. In other words, raised based on the biblical account Mm -hmm. of it. And do I believe that because he has won that battle and and will share his victories with me, then do I believe I need to align myself with him? This is what fellowship is, koinonia. Do I need to become one with him and share in... His victory. Now, everything else is just mechanics. Mm-hmm. In other words, it, it, you know, uh, the New Agers got a lot of stuff right, but, except they just leave Jesus', Jesus death, yeah. burial, and resurrection mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but but the problem is, the legalists do the same thing. They got a lot of things right yep. scripturally, mm-hmm. but they they leave out the, the death, burial, and resurrection mm-hmm. of Jesus. Uh, every denomination you go go through, they got a lot of stuff right, but in most of it, it is not a faith based on what Jesus accomplished through his resurrection and therefore the subsequent saying, then, then you're my, you're my Lord. Mm -hmm. I will, I will, I will hook my wagon up to you. I will yoke up with you.
0: Jim, this is just leading right into the direction that we want to do, you know, with this podcast today. And that is just because what you've just said can bring a lot of assurance Mm -hmm. to my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden, <clears throat> the promises of God all of a sudden it becomes more than just possible mm-hmm. yeah but now you know as you said Koinia, now in in my fellowship with him in me choosing to come in, in, into an agreement and alignment with him it can mm-hmm. bring that assurance so let's let's talk yeah. about you know today there's a, a, a statement that you've made and that is the overlapping realities. And yeah. and that's uh, you know, in a direction that we want to take this podcast.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, uh, overlapping realities gets into spiritual functionality. I guess is a way to say it. You know, in in the in the unseen world, how do we? How do, we, how do we see the unseen world? You know, I always how, how do you about navigate Paul. something that's
0: unseen?
2: Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> I think about, I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, probably, where Paul says, you know, you know, we're facing all these challenges, and, you know, we're dying daily. He said, but these light afflictions, they really don't move me. And I think about, wait a minute light afflictions let me say let me say you were uh, you know you uh uh you were beaten with rods a couple of times you know you were stoned to death once, and like I tell people, this don't mean that he got some killer weed and got so high he didn't know he was wrecked. He, when he said he was when he was stoned to death, it was with rocks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> old hippies, old hippies, you know they listen to it. And they go, "Oh yeah, dude, I've been stoned to death a bunch of times," you know. <laughs> it's like and, 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 only you know, Jim this,
0: can make this reference. Oh my only God.
2: Jim. <laughs> And it's like you know, his countrymen were trying to everywhere he went, people were trying to kill him for, uh, you, you know, for his message about the resurrection yes. of Jesus. You know, he he's shipwrecked, he's been in prison. and, and he calls it a life affliction. affliction. And then he says, but then he says, and I'm paraphrasing. People go and read it for themselves. Mm-hmm. But he says, he says, you know, the, the way we endure this is. Uh, we don't look on the things that are seen. Right. Because the things that are seen are temporary. Yes. He said, we look on the unseen because the things that are unseen are Are eternal. eternal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like all things, as we kind of make this journey in looking at... Overlapping realities and how that starts to play o- fit into the bigger picture of what we're going to talk about, which is ultimately we're going to talk about how to move from things being possible, yeah, to things being probable, to things being absolute,
1: right? So we're and, actually moving and, from unseen to seen,
2: yeah, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You're moving from unseen to mm-hmm. seen, so so we're trying to navigate the the un in an unseen world when we have our entire lives we have been taught we've been influenced to look at the world around us and make all of our decisions based on our evaluation of the circumstances that we perceive Mm -hmm. Uh, so often that's exactly
0: where people begin is they begin to you know t- take a look at the landscape of your life mm-hmm. and yep. then they'll make a decision based on
1: mm-hmm.
0: the scene elements mm-hmm. or resources yep. that i have do i have enough yep. or don't i have enough mm-hmm. and based yep. on that then i'll make that
1: decision yes
2: you know the uh, the early faith movement, and man, I don't want to sound like I'm unappreciative of the faith movement because I am not unappreciative. I learned so much and got so much value from the faith. You know, I got value from the, the discipleship movement. You know, I, I did. I mean, they had a lot of great points. They just, you know, they, they just ran off the rails with it. Just like the faith movement ran off the rails with a, They took a lot of their <laughs> reality, a lot of their truth, and just ran off the rails with it. But one of the things, you know, one of the scriptures in, in Romans chapter four, when it talks about the faith of Abraham, is four eleven or four twelve, somewhere in there. He says, he says, um uh he talks about um uh calling those things
1: which are that, unseen uh, seen, are not mm-hmm, That they as they are if they are. Yeah. Uh,
2: which are basically unseen, as though they yeah. were. And you know what the early faith movement did, they actually flipped that scripture. And turned it into a form of denial. Mm. And, and instead of calling those things that be not as though they were, they started calling those things that were as if they be not. And because, and, But the problem is what they were considering were, you know, what they were considering was real was, was what they could see. And so the only right. the way the only way they could get their faith to operate was to shut their eyes to the reality. Yeah, you know, to to the reality of this world. Right. Now that would be great. You know, um in Chinese history, and and you know, I've studied bits and pieces of Chinese history. Um and, and the main reason I studied it is because the chinese as you all know we've talked about a lot they worshiped the same god that the jews did mm-hmm. their account of creation is exactly what the mm-hmm. bible says and and it wasn't until way up in like 700 B, 700 bc somewhere some some 50 some 60 bc it wasn't until that time that that uh, the Chinese people departed from worshiping God uh-huh. and started and got into Buddhism and and all these all these other things. Most people don't know that Chinese medicine, Chinese science, all of that came straight from from the Word of God. So, so I've studied a lot. Now, what was interesting? The, the Chinese people learned to work with the unseen better than any group of people in history hmm. in, in the history of the world. Now, the problem is. Because most people do not understand creation and they do not believe and understand that we were created in the likeness and the image of God. Therefore, according to God's word, uh, you know, uh, several places the scripture tells us that we have dominion and or authority or rule over all of the works of God's hands, everything in creation. Now, if we believe that, you know, Adam didn't believe it. Most of the world hasn't believed it. I'll tell you who does believe it, New Agers and the occult. cult. They know that man rules over all of the works of God's hands. So they operate laws that look like supernatural things are happening, mm. when really all it is is laws of physics. But then they use that to say, see, you don't really need God to have, to have the supernatural. You don't really need God to have the promises. You don't really need God to have a great life. And uh, so, so they use God's creation, the laws that God programmed into creation, uh, the way God tells us to use it, but then de- then deny, use that as a basis for departing from God. So the sad thing is, most Christians ignorantly will not operate in authority hmm. over what God's created. They do not. They think they think. Really, Christians are trapped into this secular-sacred dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Everything is either secular, without God, which means it's of the devil, or it's sacred, it's with God. Well, that's the stupidest thing that's ever been come up with, uh, because there is nothing without God. The devil didn't create anything. Nothing is inherently evil. It's all how mm. you use it, and and it's all who you make your source. Mm. So, all of that to say. The Chinese had this, this exercise that they huh. learned. They, they called it iron shirt qigong. <laughs> now, just you say the word, you say the these are Chinese words, <clears throat> just like Hebrew words. You know, we take Hebrew words today and, and we can't believe them because they're not scientific 21st century words. So,
1: you said iron shirt taekwondo?
2: Yep, chican. Chican. Yeah. Q. R. Q-, I- Q-, I- Q. O. N. G. Don't spell it to me. Just
1: tell me how to say it. Iron shirt chican.
2: <laughs> Iron shirt. Chican. So I'm thinking of you. Ironing Iron your shirt, your shirt and give it. Iron. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like a con artist. <laughs> now I I have I have seen people demonstrate this. Mm-hmm. You know I I saw a guy uh take a sword. Okay. And uh, 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 well, actually, it was it was a long sword, which like a, is really more like a knife on the end of a pole. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and and demonstrated how sharp it was. And he would take that he would take that thing and stick the end of it, but you know, in the corner, like between the wall and the floor, so it would be held in place. Then he would get back and he would put it on the soft spot of his neck, and he would lean over and put all of his weight onto that sword. It never break his skin. So that, that's the idea of where the iron shirt comes in. Being able to stop something like that from being able to, to penetrate. Huh. So, so the Chinese... Do not, that looks like run, magic. Do not try this yeah. at home. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, that is the problem because in the secular sacred mentality, people say, well, see, that's of the devil. <laughs> no, that's people who don't know God, but they know physics. They know they know how to operate in God's creation. But now here was the problem: the see the the Chinese people. The reason they became so proficient in martial arts is because the government took their weapons away from them.
1: Mm. I didn't you know that. Think about that. I did not know that. Think
2: about that for a few minutes. Yeah. And wh- why do governments take weapons away from you? so that you cannot protect yourself against the government mm-hmm. that's the only reason governments are ever interested in taking your weapons away from you and that's why our constitution has that clause for us to be able to own weapons it's not so we can hunt even though they did hunt it's so we can protect ourselves against tyranny so when the when the chinese government took weapons away from the people and made it against the law of have weapons they started learning martial arts to defend themselves against the government so they practiced this iron shirt chi kung, and they developed it to such a high degree that, and, and we have records of this. I mean, we have actual. Okay, people say, "Oh, that's just that's just myth." No, they could, some of them reached such a level that you could shoot them with a musket, and basically, it was just, the ball would just bounce off of them. And so, so it's
1: the pre-superheroes.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, but it's all based on. It's all based on good laws of physics. Huh. But anyhow, so they developed this skill and they got, they got a, a whole army of people that spent years developing this. And there was one there was one big battle that was fought where they, they thought, okay, now we can go in now and we can overthrow this tyrannical government because it, even though they've got the guns and the sword and stuff, we have developed this skill. But here's what they didn't factor in. It was one thing... To do this, when you're sitting there in a peaceful environment, able to focus and able to meditate and able to do all these things, it's a whole other thing to be in the middle of a battle and having to think about other things, and and they all got killed, Ah. even though it worked in practice. Now, that's kind of the way the church is. Interesting. Even the things the church gets right about faith, and even the things the church gets right about, you know, uh, uh, dealing with certain issues, the problem is when you throw them into real life where there's all these moving parts and all these things happen, they can't, they can't make it work in the mix
1: right. of real life. Right. And you add all the emotions of the stress and the surroundings and everything, yeah. all, as you call it, the moving parts, then that's a whole yeah. different thing. You can, you can practice ahead of time, but when it comes into real life, are you going to be able to, mm. yeah, withstand? Keep your peace.
0: Mm, I, I, it, got my, I got a lot of thoughts going on right yeah, now. Yeah, so do I. Okay, all all kinds of them. But, you know, this is, you know, that phrase, you know, with God, all things are. All
2: things are possible. All Not things. some things. Now, see, we would spiritualize that. We would make that a secular, sacred dichotomy. Mm-hmm. All things that fit into my concept of, all things that fit into my concept of what, you know, is godly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's like, no, that's not what he said. But,
0: but then. <clears throat> when it doesn't happen, huh. you know, when you go to battle, when you go to war and you get slaughtered and you lose, yep. then all of a sudden we throw it back on God and say, yep. "Must not have been his will. Must not, yeah. must not. He, <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't want that for me in my life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We always end up blaming God. So yeah. we, have, we don't have yep. to take responsibility. Yep. But stop and think about it. And this kind of gets into this thing of, okay. So they learned how to do it. And the Bible talks about, you know, making this, seeing the unseen and bringing it into the scene. You know, it, it, when it talks about the, the the people of faith. Uh, and, uh, and I hate to, use, you know, I hate to use the word Old Testament. It just makes me, it just makes me aggravated yeah. to even have to use that terminology because there's no such thing as an Old right. Testament. That's something the Catholic Church that's an idea the Catholic Church created a propaganda to alienate people from who God really is so that they could create a false doctrine of who Jesus is and a false doctrine of, of, of what the church can do. There was an old covenant and there's a new covenant, but there's only one testament. And it started in Genesis and it ends in Revelation. <laughs> That's right. Right. So, so I, 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 I hate to even I hate to even use some of the some of these terminology, but you know what we call the Old Testament saints. I, I, you know, in the Book of Hebrews, uh, some I think it's maybe it's the tenth chapter, tenth or eleventh chapter. It eleventh chapter. So, so he he talks about these people who they were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Yeah. So they were looking for an unseen city. Hmm. And one of the things that is so impressive about the Old Testament believer was, and it goes on to say, even though they never obtained these promises, they saw them and embraced, they saw them afar off and embraced them. Hmm. So even the Old Testament believers who were not, didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them just because of, they developed their heart. They, were mm-hmm. will, they, they, they learned how to navigate in this unseen world. Mm-hmm. They became capable of saying, you know, I'm not experiencing this, but there is a Messiah coming, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to embrace that. That's going to be my reality, even though that's not happening. I don't see that happening mm-hmm. right now. You know, uh, they embrace all of the, the concept of heaven and eternity with God, and they, 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 it, it, they live those in their heart even though they never actually manifest it outwardly. And so, you know, you, you go through all of these places in the scripture where the terminology isn't always the same,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but the, the actual happening is the same of people who can see the unseen, mm-hmm. but they also learn to navigate oh my the unseen and they don't just navigate the unseen <clears throat> when they're hiding in a cave praying. No,
1: they make you know, it the whole, so I, practical.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, our definite, our concept of spirituality. You know, you know uh, the, the the Catholic Church uh, created or followed the way that uh, cult monks would function, and you know, where they would go off and hide in a cave and and, and meditate and fast for. You know, for years, decades, yeah. and, and and so that so they they attained this level of spirituality. Well, you know, I, it, something I've discovered is this: is anybody can be spiritual that never has to deal with anybody else.
1: Right.
2: I can always walk in love uh, as long as there ain't nobody the, else there. The, proof,
1: the proof's in the pudding, right? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> and so you know, we we have these concepts of spirituality. That only work in a vacuum. Because we don't see the unseen, we don't know how to navigate the unseen. And, and and the reality of it is the closest thing we ever get to moving from the seen to the unseen or the unseen to the seen is denial. Huh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna deny that these things are here uh, so that I can shut my eyes and squeeze them real tight. <laughs> And convince myself that that you know, God, God's promise will work in this situation, as long as I don't see the problem.
1: I'm so intrigued in the direction we're going in this podcast, because everything about me just knows that my faith, which is actually just seeing making the unseen seen, that's what faith... Faith is a substance of things hoped for, you know, the evidence of things unseen. So to navigate the unseen is next level, yeah. and... Faith, which is seeing the unseen, really pleases God. Like it actually brings him pleasure. Like I as as my best friend, there's nothing that pleases my best friend Jesus more than when I can navigate the unseen and truly see what cannot be seen. That gives him so much pleasure because he can he knows he can do so much with that.
2: Well, you stop and realize, you know, one of the fundamentals of faith in this world. Is rooted in the fact that we perceive and trust the unseen. Yes, because because I mean, you can't even, you're not trusting God. I mean, God you can't see God. And then when you with a natural and eye, and I
1: remember recently someone said, um, "I don't really hear God; I just have an impression." I said. That's what all of us have. None of us actually hear God. At least I don't know anyone right. that actually does. Because <laughs> she was looking at me like, well, I'm not like you. Like, I don't actually hear him. I'm like, mm. um, I don't think I hear him either the way you're talking about. I don't hear it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of oh, funny. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, that's one of the things, man, when I say this out <laughs> in meetings, really, well, really spooky spiritual people really get upset about this. You know, always, always tell people, it's like, look, God doesn't speak into your brain. He doesn't speak into your ears. No. God speaks into your yes. heart. And, and, and this is a whole nother language. This is a whole nother, I, it's I mean. not the, English. The, the Greek <laughs> and the Hebrew, which are, are the languages that God gave us to understand him, they, they really imply that this is more along the lines of, a, of an impression right. or a knowing. Yeah. We are the ones that give it words. It,
1: that's like, we're like, we become really good at translating. Like, We become just like I go to other countries and get translators. It's the same thing. We get an impression in our heart. And the more we work with that and navigate it and and practice and learn and develop and nurture that, the more we get to be great translators. It's like... Yeah, this is what it, this is my English interpretation, nope. my attempt to English translate because there's never going nope. to be an exact, mm-hmm. but this is my attempt to translate this into some way that I can communicate nope. it out loud.
2: Now, now, a lot of people are deeply offended by that, though. Oh, no, I do hear God. I mean, I actually hear word. I hear God speak. Oh. I'm like, well, that's you know what? Uh, that's fine yeah. if that's how you want to look at it, but you really can't really. Prove that from an overall biblical perspective. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And the sad thing is uh, uh, people who do that make 99.9% of all Christians feel like they are not spiritual. Or special. Mm Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've noticed those who who always want to make that emphasis that that kind of is what makes them special, mm-hmm. and and here's always the thing that shocks me about that because you know, you know, I got I got a half a century. I, I'm see so this uh let me see this is okay twenty twenty, in two years I will have a half a century of ministry.
1: Isn't that That's wild?
2: Is that is th- wild. that
1: is just the conception of that. It makes it wasn't uh, that long ago that Jesus was here. All of a sudden, you start to realize, I, I know. you know what I mean? It, 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 it starts to play with your mind, that, and it gets so trippy. He,
2: he was here right before I, I was born. I know. Yes. <laughs> like we're... I think my sister knew. I think she served at the last. <laughs> I think she thinks so as well. <laughs> 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 oh but but I tell you I tell you what I have what I have seen. Is that uh, people who who overemphasize that and need for that to need for that to be the case? When I sit down and have a conversation, with them, and they are just absolutely insisting that they audibly hear God, and particularly somebody I've known, I will say, "Well, you know what? You remember the time that you told me that God spoke to you and said." You know, to do this certain thing? Yeah. And you remember, it didn't work out. So, well, oh, well, the devil jumped in. See, the, de- the devil. <laughs> so wait a minute. You mean like, so God, it, even if you believe that, you mean God didn't know that was going to happen when he told you what to do? And, and so, you know, I, I know this sounds critical and me. I'm not being critical man. I'm trying to help them people not be crazy. But, you know, usually with those people, I would find that they would have a history of making bad decisions exactly. based on saying that they heard God say yeah. something to them. Yeah, I,
0: I I have misused that statement a few too many times in my life, and I've I've repented. And it was it was yeah, but it was my way of being spiritual. Yep. Okay, uh, but Jim, I I, I, do, I this might be off on a trail, but I think we've kind of gone there anyway. I, I want to talk about modern day prophets and prophecy because a lot of times this is the then the next step where they go is into this you know unseen where they're looking for that next word of the Lord. you know mm-hmm. somebody prophesied, somebody told me, somebody directed me. And so they go back to uh, you know the reference of the role of a prophet. That mm-hmm. Where they would, you know, like...
1: Bring direction. They would
0: bring direction to the kings, you know, mm-hmm. and they would have to wait. And so I, I find that f- far too many are waiting for their next word from the Lord yep. through someone else.
2: Well, sadly, again, 50, nearly 50 years of ministry experience, yep. I have seen that people... Who make decisions based on prophecies and words of knowledge and stuff? Again, have a horrible track record. Mm-hmm. They are they very seldom make the right decision. You got to realize that the Old Testament prophet functioned in the role they functioned in. Number one, because every believer was not born of the Spirit. That's right. If you need to get words from somebody else that can only mean one thing. You never listen to God for yourself mm. because God doesn't go tell other people what you need to do. As a matter of fact, remember, you know, in the book of Hebrews, it says, no more shall every man teach his neighbor saying know the Lord and knowing the Lord gets even into knowing the will of God and all, all those kinds of things. The, the role of the new, t- I'm not saying that there are not people that bring forth, you know, really powerful directive prophecies but you can't claim the role of an Old Testament prophet just when you get it right, and then you then you want to not claim that role when you get it wrong.
0: Hmm.
2: You know, if you're going to claim yourself to be a prophet, then you better not ever miss it. Because if you ever miss it, you have proven you are not a prophet hmm. and really uh, uh, put yourself scripturally in a, in a really bad situation. But number two is, the whole, per, yeah, I mean, the whole thing of the new of the new covenant is that we know God for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Other people don't have to tell us who God is, and they don't have to show us all of these things. But we look for people to teach us everything. We look for people to lead us. We look for people to give us words, and, and even even in our own heart, and, and you know, in this overlapping realities, which we we're going to get into. You, know, how far we'll get into it today, I don't know, but but. Because we don't recognize and know how to navigate and move in this unseen realm, then, then what we're really trying to do we're trying to get somebody that we can see in here to be our substitute for the Holy Spirit. And we want them to you know, we want them to tell us what we don't trust God. Yeah. To show us and reveal and impress, you know, in our own heart,
1: it's like a survival. It's like because I'm not navigating the unseen very well, I need you to help you to do something for me that really only God can do because He wants us to take this journey. Like Jesus loves us enough to make this so personal that everyone gets to take the journey, not just me, Bob and Jim. Mm -hmm. Like, and listeners, you know exactly what I'm talking about when you're on this journey. There's nothing more. That doesn't make you feel more loved than when you know in your heart of yeah. hearts that you've heard and yeah. this is personal, that you've you've mm-hmm. got an impression in your heart where you know that God is speaking to you in your heart.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, even with prophecies, you know, New te- Testament, New Testament, New Covenant prophe- prophecies are designed for uh, ex- you know exhortation, uh-huh. uh huh, comfort, and what was the other one? Uh, I just went blank on uh, it. Uh, edification, ed- exhortation, and comfort. Mm-hmm. So you know you don't have a model of New Testament prophets uh, that their whole ministry is 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 giving direction to people to know the will of God. Mm-hmm. You just don't have that. Uh, you, you know, stop and think about when the prophet came to Paul. Uh, you remember when? I believe it was Agabus, the prophet, who came to Paul, and, and, and Paul was on his way to Jerusalem. Now, keep in mind, God had already told Paul himself not to go to Jerusalem. Paul didn't listen, so why did he need a prophet? Because he wasn't listening to God. And so a prophet comes to him and says, and, you know, tear, tears off part of his garment and and Ties Paul up with it, and and he says, "This is what's going to happen when you get to Jerusalem. You're going to be bound and da 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 da." And uh, and and what what was interesting, Paul? You know, we 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 quote where Paul said, "None of these things move me," as if that's a great thing. No, what are you saying? If you get that, if you read that whole context, he said, "You know, God's told me this, and people have prophesied this to me everywhere I go, but it it don't move me. I'm still not going to listen to God. I'm still going to do what I want to do." We don't we don't realize how willful mm. Paul became. In, in this situation, and so, so the only real models we have uh, in a, a New Testament prophecy being directive, or the primary model we have in the New Testament, is when a person just won't listen. Everything else should, should encourage you. Encourage what does encouragement mm-hmm. do? Encouragement encourages you to keep moving on the track that you're mm-hmm. moving. Yeah. What does edification do? Edification builds you up mm-hmm. and, and and you know makes you realize I can do mm-hmm. this, you know, that you know, mm-hmm. that's sort the of thing. What does comfort do? Well comfort comforts you that you, know, yes. that you are on the yes. right track. Yes. You know, when you think about Moses, I thought about all the uh, all the type I like to understand the typology of Uh, of the children of Israel going from Egypt to Canaan because that is the model we are supposed Mm -hmm. to look at to understand our journey as believers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've I've thought a lot about the the typology of Moses. And, uh, uh, you know, Moses presents more of a typology of Jesus, You know, because when it says they crossed the Red Sea, they were baptized, you know, into Moses. And but 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 then also they make reference to being baptized into the the, the, the rock that followed them. So so there's a lot of things that are unclear in the typology. So I've thought a lot about, okay, where is the Holy Spirit typology in this? Well, what's interesting, even though Moses was was revealing God to them, like Jesus reveals God to us, they had the cloud by day and the fire by night. Now stop and think about it. The cloud represents comfort. Hmm. Because what did it do? It comforted you from the harshness of the sun as you're, Sojourning, you know, through this desert wasteland. Well, what does the fire do? Well, the fire warms you, but the fire also ha- speaks of passion. keeps your pa- it keeps you edified. Keeps your passion alive. There's a high possibility that the cloud and the fire were the types of the Holy Spirit, whereas Moses was more of a type of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, even though, it, it, so so we got Jesus speaking to us, w- always manifests the Holy Spirit al- is always manifesting what Jesus taught us about God. But then on, on some deeper level, as far as being led, it's more about the cloud and the fire. Well, the cloud and the fire didn't speak to you. Mm-hmm. Jesus speaks to you. To, you know I mean? The Holy Spirit speaks. But the cloud and the fire is kind of that inward witness, yeah. that inward knowing, mm-hmm. that impression, that intuitive awareness of just follow the cloud. Now, God, you know, God's already told him to go to Canaan, and now he's provided discomfort so I'm gonna stay in peace I'm gonna I'm gonna always stay in the way you know in other words there's all of these somewhat subjective factors that are based on the objective word of God you, you understand what I'm yeah. saying you know, when when something's objective I might read the word of God about doing this or whatever and not not feel it because I can't I can't really I can't really see how that's really going to help me or how I'm going to win that so but but I, I accept it well once I accept it then I follow the cloud mm-hmm. in the daytime and I follow the fire at night. I keep my passion alive. I keep myself edified because the Holy Spirit is always there witnessing to us. He's always there ministering to us. You know, stop and think about it. the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. You mm-hmm. a guarantee of what? Everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He's our guarantee of every other thing that God has promised to us. Now, we have the denominational people. Up until you know, up until the '50s and '60s, with the advent of the charismatic move, the denominational people had really minimized the effect of the Holy Spirit in our life, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And and really, I can remember in, in very fundamental churches, if you made a reference to the Holy Spirit, they'd accuse you of idolatry.
1: Hmm. Wow!
2: And, uh, I you not know, even you, imagine. If you, if you talk to the Holy Spirit in prayer, man, they would get on you. Like, you ain't supposed to be talking to Him. You don't pray to Him. Well, maybe maybe your definition of prayer is different than mine. But basically, the whole church world was alienated from any functional relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so, and so then, you know, with the advent of the charismatic move, we started getting another, you know, reintroduction to yield into the Holy Spirit. But... Two things we have to keep in mind: What does the church always do? They always go to extremes. Mm-hmm. Always, no matter no matter what doctrine it is. Just like the the fake grace movement took grace and went to an extreme to the point that it made it made the, the doctrine of grace. Uh, reprehensible based on the way they presented it. Speaking in tongues, you know, a baptism in the Holy Spirit, all those things were taken to extremes that made them unacceptable, unbiblical, unscriptural, even though they were in the Scripture, the way we were applying them, you know, was not in the Scripture. So, so you know, now you got you got people that follow the Holy Spirit subjectively based on how they feel, but they reject the Word of God, and they will say, well, the Spirit of God's leading me to do this. You say, well, what, what about what the Scripture says? Oh Well, I, I don't I, I don't, that don't matter. This is what God's saying to me. Well, so there's, there's this, there's this mixture of, of, of objectiveness. This is the, the Lordship of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I take his interpretation of who God is. Now we've rejected the Lordship of Jesus. I mean, we got him on our lips, but we don't, we don't really, the church, the modern church has almost zero connection to Jesus as Lord. Because if Jesus was, if his teaching, his ministry, his life, if this was the word in the flesh, and if he provided me the interpretive and, uh, and, and, and the application basis for everything that God has ever said, why do I take scriptures and come up with a different interpretation and application that he, that he gave us? That's a rejection of him as Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's like, really, we talk about Jesus mm-hmm. But we really not surrendered to Him as Lord. We got Him on our lips, but not in our heart. Mm. We make reference to the Holy Spirit, but we really got Him in our lips. We don't. It's really, it's really not really not a heart thing. So, so here we are, in, in the in the church world, and uh, it's just like we have alienated Christ from our Christianity. We have alienated the Holy Spirit from the Spirit-filled life, and we have alienated God from public reference. <laughs> but we're Christians, right?
0: And and we work extremely hard at navigating the scene. Yeah, you know, at at at, what, uh, at, uh, at, pres- at preserving our own self-perception. You know, yeah. and just you know, just navigating what's all seen, what's natural, and. You know, really trying to work that out, and and we we've lost vision and sight Mm -hmm.
2: of of what is eternal, which is unseen.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, we're led by circumstances, Mm -hmm. and we call it God based on some based on some subjective, emotional feeling that we have about Mm -hmm. it. Now, you know, whenever I developed heart physics. Uh, and you know you know heart physics was man it was e- even though i taught people biblical meditation one on one you know, I didn't i didn't really preach it i didn't really there was so many areas uh, that i didn't talk about it but uh, you know when i finally came out with heart physics essentials you know you got to realize that was 30 years in development mm-hmm. because i didn't i didn't really want to come out with this until I, until i felt like I was established in it. I'd walked it out enough in my own life. I'd seen it work in enough other people's lives that I was ministering to. You know, and and I wanted to have a you know great biblical concept of it. Now, since God is always congruent, you know, stop and think. When the Bible talks about evil, as often as not, the primary concept there is chaos. So. When you create a secular-sacred dichotomy, then now the world, uh, the universe is divided up into segments that that are based on reductionist theories. Now, reductionist theories are where the, the easiest place to understand reductionist theories is really is really with uh, medical science. You know, in medical science. They would look at the gallbladder and say, well, (coughs) we're going to look at the gallbladder independent of its interactions with any other organs in the body. And we will take your gallbladder out because just looking at the gallbladder, we don't see why you need it if, you know, if if you're having trouble with it. Do that with the spleen, do that. And so reductionist theory looks at a small part and reduces the you know reduces everything down to this small part and really rejects the holistic concept of how this particular part interacts with everything else does that make mm-hmm. sense so so most of the ways that people think about god think about theology think about the bible is is a is a list a list of disconnected segments, uh, none of which are similar to the other, and and really you get into this idea that okay when it's I, well, I'll give you an example so somebody says okay so I want to I want to I under, understand I, I I need some help with with the area of forgiveness, and so it's like okay so you help them work through say forgiveness toward their parents. And then you know, uh, and they th- you know like oh I got victory and I got victory. and so then then they call you back a year later and say you know something, uh, I got a different issue now and that's about forgiveness, but it's a different issue. Well, well what is it? Well, uh, you know, I now I need to I now I need to really deal with some forgiveness with my spouse. Mm-hmm. It's like what do you mean it's a different issue? Right. It's not different because it's a different circumstance. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. But see, see, we are reductionist thinkers. Who think in every situation, there's a a unique answer Hmm. to that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, the core of all invisible things, (coughs) the core to everything that happens in the universe is one, there's one law that governs all things, and that is the law of the seed. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I tell people this over and over and over again. You know, you 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 say, okay, I'm, I'm struggling with depression. Okay, let's go to the law of the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Where's your focus?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And okay, so yeah, but but I, but you know what? I listen. You know, I listen to your cyber church every week. Okay, so then then what do you do? Well, well, then I get depressed. Well, well, what do you put in practice out of cyber church? Well, I'm so depressed, I can't I can't put anything in practice. Well, so what you're saying is. For about an hour you think about something else while you're hearing me talk, and then you go back and think about all this other stuff. So you keep planting seeds that choke out what you just heard, mm-hmm. right? It's law of the seed. There isn't there's nothing unique about no. it. So it doesn't matter if you're trying to get healed. Right. It doesn't matter if you're trying to deal with a financial problem. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. it is. It all works by the law of the seed. Mm-hmm. And this is what, this is such good news because
1: then we don't have to overcomplicate things because once we learn the law of the seed, then anything that we face or any issue that begins to overwhelm us, we have the same answer. It's like, okay. Yeah. I'm living the life that I have planted the seeds and I've watered those seeds and this is the result. It has nothing to do with my circumstances because we all encounter oh. circumstances. No one is no one is immune from circumstances of life. Nope. You started out the podcast with calling it light afflictions. Well, we all have them. We all are going nope. to have challenges just because we live in this world. But but my heart and developing my heart is how I'm gonna navigate the unseen world. And so that's where my seeds are being planted.
2: Yeah. Well, see, people will say, but my affliction is not light. Well, why is it not light? Well, well because it's bad. No, that's not why it's no. not light. What, what did Paul say? Paul said his afflictions were light because of where he put his attention.
1: Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and he
2: kept his attention focused on the unseen. In other <laughs> words, the law of the sea. I seed.
1: love it. Yeah. So,
2: so where I was getting to with this concept of heart physics is this. God is so... Consistent, so congruent, so internally and externally in harmony. Mm-hmm. And remember, when remember when God, everything that God created, He said is good, which which means it is in harmony, in harmony with what, in harmony with my intention, mm-hmm. in harmony with the greatest benefit for mankind. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, everything is everything is in harmony with God. So, when Paul says in Romans one twenty. Two sections of scripture became the cornerstone for heart physics, and one was the parable of the sower, because Jesus said, If you do not understand this parable, you cannot understand any of the other parables of the kingdom. Can't do it. And so so and what is what is the parable of the sower about? The law of the seed. Mm-hmm. Condition of your heart. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 all of his teaching is incredibly congruent when you stop segmenting it out through right. reductionist thinking right. but then then the second heart physics scripture is Romans one twenty I believe it is where it says where 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 Paul says, "Look, the unseen things of God can be understood by the things he created yes." So I started realizing as I was developing this heart work and what eventually became heart physics, mm-hmm. that if I understand true science
1: mm-hmm. on how
2: the solar system works, then I can understand how a cell in my body works. Right. If I understand how, you know, it doesn't matter what, it's like a hologram. All things in existence are like a hologram in the sense that with a hologram, if, if you Cut out the smallest part, and when you look at it, it looks like the whole
0: mm-hmm.
2: because because it's all in harmony. Right. So, navigating, seeing, and navigating the unseen starts with realizing all things that God did are based on one universal law, and that is the law of the seed. And when I start there, and and start embracing that, then. And we'll get into this next week. Then when I look at something, that becomes my filter that changes my perception, what I see. Because remember, even with a natural eye, with a natural eye, it is not your eye that defines what you see. It's your brain. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, in the spiritual eye, it is your heart that interprets what you see. So once I create a belief in my heart, when I look at it, then that goes. Whatever information I take in, that information then is processed through the beliefs of my heart, and it interprets that information based on based on that belief. And so, if you've got all these crazy beliefs that contradict each other, you've got this redu- reductionist concept of God. Uh, then the truth is, this is so complicated that this is one of the reasons you can't navigate in real life. Then you're like those Chinese people where, as long as you were alone hiding in a cave meditating, you could do something supernatural. Mm-hmm. But the minute you walked out there and there were distractions mm-hmm. and circumstances that you're having to think about mm-hmm. and you're trying to have to figure out what law applies in this or how do I apply this or how do I use faith in this, then bam, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Because, because you were not able to respond to real-life situations in real time because really you're trying to analyze it all with your, with your brain and not, not with your brain. I heart. love
1: what you just said. Once I create a belief, that's all I see. Once I actually have created the belief that I am absolutely always permanently provided for, that's yep. all I can see anywhere I go. Yep. All I can see is provision.
2: Op- provision, opportunity, Opportunities, success.
1: Uh, new beginnings. I mean, just anything, absolutely anything. And I I just love that we can develop our heart to navigate the unseen.
2: Mm-hmm. You know when most millionaires are made in America?
1: Huh.
2: When the economy's the worst. Yes. And the difference is the people that look at it and say, oh, my man, look. We are really in trouble. We can't. We can't invest. We can't do anything. And then there's people looking at and go, man, look at the opportunity. Nobody's doing anything. We can dominate this field. Right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Wow. <clears throat> this is this is just really been good. And I, yeah, I'm excited did,
1: for the next sessions as we start to go from these pro- possibilities to probabilities. Yeah,
0: yep. yeah. And, and and I know you've kind of heard these cliche things. But we just can't afford to go to a a church service on a Sunday, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's kind of the way it is. You, you you create this event and and it's there, but then the rest of the week, the rest of the time, you know, it's it's like you said, you, you, I step out into this world and I get shot.
1: Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. like God,
0: where are you? And He's like, I'm here. <laughs> I really,
2: he's, I, he's where you left yeah. Him at church.
0: <laughs>
1: But when God is so beautiful <laughs> oh. and so amazing, that's what you see all the mm-hmm. time. You see it. You, you, you know, it's oh. just incredible. Yeah. I saw a oh. rabbit this morning. I know I always get back into my little hippie things. There <laughs> we I go. I saw me and Winston wrote for a while. She saw walk. a
2: rabbit. Oh.
1: I saw a rabbit. with You, the, didn't, you,
2: but you didn't see the roadrunner, did you? No, shut up. <laughs> it, was, it was Wiley Coyote <laughs> chasing me. <remember>?
1: Stop it. <laughs> There was a coyote. I heard the coyote. I did hear a coyote today. Um, But no, this rabbit had exceptionally big ears. It was Uh so cute. So I just talked about it wow. Like I looked at that reference. I love your ears. They're huge. And I'm just talking like this and I'm going, wow, I am so weird. But the the more I just commune <laughs> with God, the more I see him yeah. in so many things Everything. and I can't help but talk about it. And you become one with him, you know, mm. in, in science, <laughs> whatever. Yep. Well, I don't even, I'm not going to talk.
2: <laughs> uh. You, you, you might have, you know, I got that, but you might have done better with everybody else if you'd have stuck to the Wiley cow. <laughs> 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 at,
1: oh. at least I gave you, gave, gave a little trip. Okay, Jim, there let me ask end.
0: you one question before we go. Oh. Okay, next week, what direction oh. would you like to take?
2: Well, you know, uh, it, again, in kind of laying the foundation. I love that. Which is, you We're know, laying the that we foundation. We will talk a little bit about some of the overlapping realities that can help us start perceiving the unseen world. And then ultimately, I don't, you know, I'm not sure how it'll all unfold, but then, of course, ultimately, then we want to take that and say, okay, right now, everything that God promised me is possible. Yeah. Yeah. But the more I navigate the unseen,
1: <laughs> yes. and the
2: more that becomes my reality. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then based on, remember everything's got to go back to the finished work of Jesus. And based on what Jesus did, how do I move from something just being possible, possible to being probable?
1: Wow. I love it. This is so exciting. And
0: then moving it to a place absolute Absolutely. assurance. That's
2: right. Good. That's
0: right. Jim Audrey, thank you and to you thank our listeners. Thank you, Bob.
1: Hey, thank you, listeners. We
0: really appreciate you. We really do and we're so Absolutely. grateful. You know, just for the uh, willingness and openness of your heart. And I th- I think today each each one of us are just affirming again and again the lordship of Jesus over our lives. Mm-hmm. Just just really let that really be your reality, you know, in every moment and recognize that you hear him. He's directing you, you know, that there is a a cloud of his presence, you know, over your life, sheltering Mm -hmm. you, directing you, just knowing that he's there, comforting you and knowing, you know, just that pillar of fire at night, warming you in the chill. And uh, I just want you to know this, the presence of his spirit is so special. I believe in your heart and life.
1: We love you so much. We can't wait. We're so thankful for this time together. Thanks for listening. This has
0: been episode number 160, and we'll see you next week.
1: Bye-bye.